idea of a close or a closer is really sort of a myth. Okay. And, Interesting. And the reason being is that if you're in business to business sales, mm -hmm. it's very, very rare that the customer actually makes the decision in front of you. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about how to accelerate your sales processes with, uh, with responsiveness. Uh, we've got Andy Paul here. Um, Andy, uh, today's guest, Andy Paul, Andy knows a, a ton about what it takes for, for companies and sales teams to power their growth. He offers insights as a proven sales leader and speaker and consultant and award-winning author of Amp Up Your Sales, Powerful Strategies That Move Customers to Make Fast, Favorable Decisions, and also Zero Time Selling, which I'm sure you've heard of, the, the, the 10 Essential Steps to Accelerate Every, every Company's Sales. So, uh, so Andy, really excited to have you here today. Well, Steve, thanks for inviting me. I'm honored to be here. Absolutely. Um, so, so, Andy, as you know, we, we talk about field sales and field sales processes here. Um, and, and my goal is to map kind of your areas of expertise and the things that you know to, uh, to field salespeople. So uh, I guess let's, let's start out with, uh, with one area that you're, that you're known to be an expert in. Now, walk me through a hypothetical close and and show the world what your methodologies are for for a field salesperson's right right from the horse's mouth here, so to speak. Uh, yeah, well, sure. So, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> I, I think that that the idea of a close or a closer is really sort of a myth. Okay, and, interesting. And the reason being is that if you're in business to business sales, mm -hmm. it's very, very rare that the customer actually makes the decision in front of you, right? right. Increasingly, as, as decisions are more consensus-oriented and you've got groups of people, you know, whether it's five or six or 8.2, as, as the CEB people talk about, who are in the decision, you're not closing anybody. They're making that decision. Um, right. In so a room like, with a closed door and you're not invited. <laughs> you're not invited. And so... This idea that you're closing anybody, yeah, it's really archaic and, and doesn't really exist. So unless you're you know, selling perhaps insurance door-to-door -door and somebody actually mm -hmm. signed a contract or you're selling a car, but you know, outside that, in complex sales, it's, it doesn't really happen much anymore. So, so what, would you recommend, uh, what would you recommend to do, given that you're not going to be there to be you know, winning people over with your powerful personality? How, how do you well, empower you, the decision-makers? You'll have done that already, right? So, right. When and, and when people make decisions, and when businesses make decisions, actually individuals do this as well. You really need to look at it in sort of two parts. And the first part of the decision is somebody has to make the decision: Are we going to do this or not? It's a binary decision: Are we going to make this change or not? And then the second part of it is: Who are we going to do it with? Right. So there's the decision, and then they have to make a choice who they're going to do it with. And so, you know, from that standpoint, is you really need to focus your sales process as well as supporting the customer's buying process to get them to that point where they're making that binary decision. And if you win that sale, then your odds are pretty good you're going to win the order. And so I, I call that winning the sale before you win the order. 
And so the focus is, well, how do I front load as much of the value and as much of the uh, valuable buying experience or value-based buying experience for the, the customer in that part of the selling process? So it's really a, saying, look, every time I interact with the prospect, I have to bring my A game. I have to be delivering something of value in exchange for the time that they're giving me to sell to them. And you can start with, you know, if they called you, let's say they initiated the lead or they sent you a web lead, you know, how quickly do you get back to them? Who's talking to them when you get back to them? Do you have a junior person talking to them or do you have a more experienced person who can answer their questions more irresponsibly right on the, right on the spot? And mm-hmm. help compress some of those early parts of the buying process. So, um, you know, discovery. You know, are you asking the insightful questions that that sort of challenge the customer to think more deeply about what it is they need to buy, what they think is the right solution, um, and really digging a little more deeper into what their requirements are and where they're going to get the payback on what the solution that you're trying to sell. So, with the end goal that when they're making that that point where they're making the the binary decision is that that vision in their mind of the outcome they're going to receive from having investing in a solution is your is your solution. Fantastic, fantastic. And so, tell me about what do you do if in this process of of uh, that, that you've outlined here, what do you do if 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 your prospect goes dark on you, what is, what do you think the best strategy is to follow up when someone that you really felt was a qualified prospect and things were going well, when they go dark, what, what's, what is your play? Right. So again, when you think about how people make decisions and they process information is the research that I've read and read in multiple places is that people have served, uh, gather information in a serial fashion. Mm-hmm. And so Let's say they have six steps in the decision process or information gathering process. Is that at least the research I've read is that you know they do that in order and they don't skip a step along the way. And so, to my mind, if somebody goes uh, dark, really what that's telling me is there's a question that needs to be answered, right? Mm-hmm. That, that they're asking, they're waiting for me to provide some information to help them move the next step further in their buying process. And they're sort of waiting for me to, to, to provide that. So I needed to go discover exactly what that is. That's not 100% the case of why it is. Sometimes customers made that binary decision that, hey, we're just not going to move forward. Yeah, and, and not every customer feels compelled to tell you that. <laughs> we, and, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not their job in life. I mean, they, if they want to be polite, they could do it, but it's not their job in life to do that. So um, oftentimes the first thing you want to think about is, okay, well, what they're waiting for me to give them some information, right? I keep trying to move them ahead, call them, move them ahead to the next step, but they're not ready. They can't do that. They can't move ahead until I give them some information, answer some questions. And if that's not the case, then yeah, maybe they're just made that decision. Yeah, we're just not going to make a change right now. Yeah. Well, so I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about a couple of your well your two your two books that are that are obviously highly influential in the world of sales. I wanted to talk about how they what what the main takeaways are for a field salesperson and how kind of they mapped that. So let's first talk about amp up your sales, powerful strategies that move customers to make fast favorable decisions. And how do you apply what you talked about there to field salespeople? 
Well, that book really starts from the premise. They both do to a certain degree, but more explicitly in Amp Up Your Sales is it starts with this idea that there's this bargain that I mentioned before between buyer and seller. And that bargain is I, as a buyer, I'm going to give you some of my time. You're going to give me something of value in return. Mm-hmm. And everything flows from that so that uh, you know, every interaction you have with the buyer, no matter how big or how small, has to be value providing. If it's not, why are they going to invest any time mm-hmm. yeah, with you? And so you think about the field sales or typical behavior is, yeah, the customer, I haven't heard from the customer in a while. Hey, I'm going to give the check-in call, right? Hey, this is Andy. Don't anything new to share. I just want to check in and see what's new. And what happens in that case? You know, you, you took some of the customer's time and you gave them nothing of value in return. And if you do that repeatedly, they're just going to stop giving you time altogether. Right? So, Amp up your sales really takes you through this process of saying, okay, well, how do you plan your calls? How do you plan what you do on a daily basis to ensure that you are delivering the optimal amount of value to the prospect at each step of the way? Got it. And how how does a, how does a field rep in particular, do you think, how, how can they ensure that they're moving their deal cycle through and creating value at each step? You, you mentioned a way to avoid not creating value, which is yeah. just... Calling up and saying, hey, just wanted to check in. No no value created. What are some things that you think they could do to, to make sure they're creating value? Right. So the simple a simple question they can ask themselves. And I would urge managers, frontline managers, uh, to you know, just go through a pipeline and ask this question of, of all the deals that are there. So the, the question is, so what value does the customer need from us right now to move one step closer to making a decision? Mm-hmm. And you should be able to ask that about every deal in the pipeline and get an answer. So if the rep doesn't know what the next step is in terms of what the prospect needs from you in order to move one step closer to making a decision, then they're not they're not engaged in the account. They're not talking to the prospect. Interesting. It's just that, and there's a second part to the question is, and the second part of the question is, and having received that value from us, what are they going to commit to do? Oh, the, the old give to get, huh? Yeah. And so, and so as a sales rep, you need to know the answer to that question about every deal you're working on. Otherwise, what is the plan for that deal? And so I, in the book, I call that a simple value plan. You just need a value plan for every opportunity you're working. And if you're you know, deliberate about that, then... Yeah, you're going to be much better off and you're going to always be, have this you know, awareness of really where you are in the context of the deal, where the buyer is in the context of the deal in terms of making their decision. And that's where you want to be. Otherwise, you're in the dark. And unfortunately, too many reps you know, don't have that plan in mind. They don't think about their deals. You know, they, one of the things I, I talk about in Amp Up Your Sales is that we have this tendency because we have these tools like CRM systems and so on to sort of enter our data and then forget about it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the only time we think about it again is when maybe when we're looking at our pipeline, we'll look back in the, the customer record and say, Oh yeah, that's where we left off the last time. Now, if you're, if you're an, an observant rep, if you're an engaged rep, an engaged professional for your, at least for your top prospects, you are thinking about it constantly. It's mm-hmm. you, There's no off button for you. Uh, at one level or another, even if you're home at night, you're still thinking, yeah, what, what do they need from me? What could I, how, could I, how could I help them get to the next step? You know, what, what do they expect from me? Or, or what, maybe they're not thinking about 
something and I need to be able to, you know, help challenge some of their thinking and get them pointed in one direction or another. But you always have to be ruminating about your, about your deals. Yeah. And yeah. if you do that, and this is not stressing out about it. It's not, it's just, you're just at one level, you're just thinking about it. You're keeping that, the details present in your mind. If you do that, then you're much more aware and you're engaged. And so this on off button that we see too many reps have now, unfortunately due to the technology, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't help. Interesting. Yeah. This really resonates with me because what you're, what you're saying here, because I, uh, when, when I was a rep, it was pre, it was pre CRM days, basically. Um, well, I guess we, we had a seat, we had Siebel, but it was kind of before, yeah. before people were really using it the way they right. today, um, using CRMs the way they do today. And they, I had a spreadsheet that I would keep track of all my deals and it had a due date and it had my next step and it had the customer's next step. Mm-hmm. And, and I would, I would, I could go through all my deals and say, well, what's, what should I be doing next? And what did right. they do what they were supposed to be doing next? And I could, right. so I always had a, a thing top of mind to talk to every customer about like, you know, and, and a date that went along with it. So I should be calling them on Thursday, the 21st and asking, Hey, did, I, I did this thing for you. I got this. I sent it over to right. you uh, four days ago. Did you get that? Great. And did you do this? <laughs> the thing that we agreed upon at our last, at our last interaction. Yep. And it was a simple CRM. It was just a spreadsheet. I, I mean, I get it wasn't really a CRM, but, but it, that's how I tracked my deals. Yeah. Why not? Me too. I mean, spreadsheets and, <laughs> Even before there are spreadsheets, um, but I, I, I don't know what the term is. You know, people use it, but you just have to. You have to be awake. Mm-hmm. You have to. Be, you have to be aware. You have to be engaged. You have to be curious, and and that just requires a certain level of of you know deliberation in what you do, mm-hmm. and and that's the part that that's hard. Is you know, so we make sales more process driven, at least in some more transactional B two B sales, and some in the SaaS business as well. As we sort of take away the the perception that the reps need to do that, and you know, it, nothing could be further from the truth. If you want to know what makes the successful people really successful in sales, is they're always thinking about their customer. And again, it's not necessarily top of mind, but they're always thinking about it. And yeah, I know from personal experience that's the case, and I know from talking to thousands of salespeople that's that's the case as well. That's what separates in part, what separates the really good performers from the, the average performers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's talk about Zero Time Selling, uh, your 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 book, the, the 10 Essential Steps to Accelerate Every Company's Sales. Uh, what what would you say um, that we haven't already covered? What would you say that, that's in there that we haven't covered that's really, you can map to, to how to field salespeople and how they could do sure. their jobs better? Yeah, and, and Zero Time Selling was really written for field sales in mind. Um, you know, inside sales was still, I mean, it was around, but it wasn't as big a thing when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but I think, I like to think I was actually one of the first sales authors that that very deliberately wrote this phrase, which is, you know, success in sales today is less about what you sell and more about how you sell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd seen that trend occurring and even back before I'd started my own company, I was selling, you know, large complex communication systems because what I found is that was, we're selling, that's about 15 years selling, let's say large, complex, multi-million dollar communication systems to major corporations around the globe. And, but I was working for startups and 
I was analyzing a lot. Was, well, how did we win these deals, right? Competing against multi-billion dollar corporations with you know, 100-year track records and then you know, my five-year-old company, you know, how are we winning these large deals? Mm-hmm. And that's really what it came down to. It wasn't what we were selling. It was how we sold. That was really the differentiator. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, you know, I lay out 10 ways that I talk about that, that companies can use to, to differentiate the buyer experience, the buying experience, which is increasingly is a, a critical element of the decision-making process. I mean, if we live in a world where products are the barriers to entry into markets are pretty low, given the technology that we're using. Uh, every market space has a lot of competitors in it. In the mind's mm-hmm. eye of the buyers, we all look alike. Right. So if we all look alike, how are we differentiating ourselves? That's by how we sell. That we is the first level of differentiation. You as a salesperson, us as sales professionals, we are the front line of differentiation. And so that's really what that book is about, is, is what are the things you can do to differentiate yourself. And most importantly is, and this is, I think is a key lesson for, for sales professionals is that those things are all things that are under your direct control. You know, you don't need a boss's approval. Yeah. One you brought before is responsiveness. That's, that's our one Mm -hmm. thing that I'm sort of known for. But in my definition, responsiveness doesn't mean fast. Responsiveness means you're fast with the information or the value the prospect needs to move further ahead in their process. Right. It's the combination. yeah, I, you know, I, I talk about the book. I said, you know, fast is good for sprints in the Olympics, but it doesn't win. <laughs> well, we, we've uh, at our company, um, we've we've implemented what, some of your strategies, and uh, which is why you know, one of the reasons I was so excited about this call. But um, that was one of them. Is we have a whole strategy around getting the right information out to a customer immediately after a call. So, like a, a, after every single call, I have I want reps to to be thinking to to take and stop and think for a second. What is what did we just talk exactly. about there? And what what is really the key piece of information or the key case study or the key question I needed I need I need to go get the answer for, or the or a, a great video displaying some that demos some feature that really seemed they seemed interested in that mm-hmm. I can write, write up and send them in a nice email and and get it out in like you know within 10 minutes of that call. And and that's a uh, that that's that's a key thing that we learned from you that that we're that we're we've put into play here is is, is that responsiveness. And it makes a difference. So yeah, uh, we you know, we've we, definitely we, seen that. Right. I mean, no buyer sets out to spend more time than is necessary to make a decision to buy something. And really, if you want to summarize and amp up your sales, I summarize this. I said, you know, what a buyer wants to do is a buyer wants to quickly gather information to make a good decision with the least investment of time and effort possible. And that sums up what buyers want to achieve. And so if you can help them do that more quickly, and this is sort of the, the critical part that I think a lot of salespeople and sellers, executives as well, sort of stumble on, is they think that buyers want to make the best decision. Mm-hmm. And they don't. They want to make the good decision. And the they, least risky, the, the least risky decision. <laughs> and if, the they can mitig- can- if they can mitigate risk, right. But part of the way they perceive what risk is, is, well, look, if I'm, my experience dealing with Badger mapping has been, wow, they're hugely responsive. They're getting me the information I need. They're helping me move through this process more quickly. Now we're looking at your competitor and yeah, I'm still waiting for information. What's it going to be like working with them after we give them our business, right? right. Mm-hmm. So they're forming these perceptions of you as a seller, as an organization based on how you sell to them. Yeah. And so 
yeah, suddenly it becomes more risky to do, deal with a company that's not as responsive, at least their perception, right? And science is very clear about this, that perceptions are really sticky. And so once a company, as a buyer, has formed a perception of you and your ability to deliver and to support them, it is exceedingly difficult to change that perception. Even, even this is the interesting part about the science about perception, is that even when people are given evidence contradict their perception, yeah. it still doesn't change their mind. Yeah, humans, humans. You, you got to know them to sell to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it helps, right? The more you can learn about that is, is how people make decisions, how they gather information, how they process information, mm-hmm. because it's all very relevant to what we're doing in sales. But I think it all, you know, sort of the theme about this whole thing is it's, you know, the buyer's experience working with you during their buying process that is perhaps the most decisive aspect of their decision. And yeah. If, if it's not good, if you don't, can't, you know, why, if you, when they make that, that go, no go decision. Mm-hmm. And so another report just came out a couple weeks ago saying that in B2B sales, 50% of qualified opportunities in a pipeline never make a decision. Well, that's not true. 100% make a decision. These 50% <laughs> made the decision to do nothing. Right. And that's and, that's for sure our biggest competitor is people just saying, oh, this is not one of our top three things that we're getting done right now. It's number five. And we're only getting to number three in the next six months. Let's well, in six right. months. And the fact is, it's only number five because you couldn't make a compelling case that it needs to be number one. Absolutely. From, from and, an ROI perspective, from a pain perspective, from a... Exactly. You know, it, what's, what does it cost you to not do this perspective? Exactly. So as sellers... The reason we get no decisions is because we're not making a compelling business case with whatever metrics we need to provide. We're not providing the vision of how great life is going to be when they're using our solution versus not using a solution. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever that compelling business case is, that's why there's no decision made. It's because yeah. we, we didn't make the, the case. We didn't create the vision. We didn't you know, communicate accurately the ROI, the total cost mm-hmm. of ownership, whatever it is. So you know, that that we need to keep in mind. And mm-hmm. if we can, again, be much more focused on the beginning parts of the selling process to get us to the point where we can communicate that vision, excuse me, then we'll, we'll start minimizing those no decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you, so that, I guess the first half of being responsive for you, the, it's obvious how to do that better, you know, in terms of get re- responsive, be fast, get back to them in a timely fashion. And the set, but the second part is, I think the hard part is knowing what should I be getting back mm-hmm. to them with? What is what they? What is the thing that they need to know next? And getting that in front of them. What would you say your biggest secrets are that a field salesperson could take away to becoming more responsive? Well, I think it's it's understanding the customer better, right? So when you're doing your discovery, is really asking the penetrating questions that really get to the heart of the matter in terms of what they're trying to achieve. And so I'm sort of a contrarian is. I don't think in my life I've ever sold to a pain point mm-hmm. because I don't think companies make investment decisions to solve a pain. I think they make investment decisions to achieve an objective. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to do and is, and I've always tried to do is when I go in and start talking to the customer about what their needs and the requirements are, is I want to understand where they want to be, right? You know, where do you want to be in 18 months or two years? And how does that compare to where you are today? Mm-hmm. And so now we've identified the gap how can I help you cross that gap? And 
understanding that really then becomes important. And so when, when we have a situation where they have a question and I need to be responsive to it, I have a much better context in terms of what the information is I should be supplying them to help them get to the point where they can make a decision to invest to achieve their objective. And so it's really being really a aware of your of your customers, you know, doing the right discovery. It's being connected with your customers at a human level in a way that that you know many people are too scripted these days and they don't form that connection. Well, then someone won't confide in you. You know, they won't um, respond to a question. You won't earn that right to ask that in depth question that that's going to you know, unveil that next layer of information that the prospect really needs. So the, the multiple parts to it, right? But, but one is, is really starts with connecting and then asking the right questions, being completely aware of what they're trying to achieve and also aware of what you're selling, right? I, I, you know, one of the problems we see all the time is, is reps just aren't aware enough of the value the prospects are getting or the buyers after they bought the system are getting out of the system they sell. And, you know, one of the stories I always tell is, is doing a, a win analysis on a, a customer that bought this large system from us. And they had had uh, a compliance matrix that was ran about 18 pages, about 300 <laughs> items on it. I love it. <laughs> I love that. And, and the fact is, the CEO bought because of one of those things. And the thing is, you had to know which one. <laughs> and so that's always what I focused on with my team and said, well, look, yeah, we're selling these big complex systems, but there's one thing here that's really driving the decision and we need to find out what that is and who it's most important to. Yeah. And, and once we did that, then we controlled the deal. And that really became something that, that we really specialized in is uncovering the true need and the person that's really the person most affected by it. And because they then become your sponsor to help the deal get done. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with this anymore. I mean, and I, I'm always telling, telling my reps, uh, focus on communicating what the business, like mapping our solution to business value for them. Like, if you get this, your, your, your team will do 20% less of this or 30% more of this mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of figuring out with them and getting, getting their best guess, right? Like showing them, here's what we do. What will that do for your company? How... If you had efficient routing for your sales team, how much right. less would they be driving every day? How many more meetings would they get? And what's that worth to get that many more meetings? Exactly. If you can get a number out of them, it makes the buying decision very, very easy. You get them over the hump of, we have to do this because we have 100 guys in the field and each one of them is going to get two more meetings every day. What is that worth? Well, it's worth this much. Like Once, once they say that number, the deal's done as far as I'm concerned because they can't walk away from that. Yeah, well, and, it, and that's the point I was making earlier. Is you know, customers rarely de- declare victory by putting a bandaid on a pain point, <laughs> but right. they, de- they declare victory when they say, "Yeah, here's a path to achieving our objective," mm-hmm. and and so that is a, a hugely different perspective. And that if reps can have that, look, well, how am I helping you achieve something you really want to achieve? How can I serve you to help you achieve that? That's hugely more impactful on the buyer than. Yeah, how do I stop the bleeding here? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, we've talked about some really cool things today. Um, I, I've taken some notes that so just to, to wrap up our wrap up the things you've that we've talked about and the points that you've made. The uh, so first of all, we talked about closing and the 
the, the decision-making processes and the way people process information being so much more complex today than they used to be. And, and you felt like instead of thinking about closing a sale, you need to ask the right questions along the way that lead the prospect to discover whether or not your solution is the right fit, because you're probably not going to be in the room anyway when, when that quote unquote close time would, would, would be available to you. Exactly. Um, you, you talked about zero, zero time selling. And, and one point there is that the, is the, bargain between the buyer and and the the seller which is the time for value like get, getting them to get, getting getting the buyer the value and 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 showing them how much that how much that that's worth and mm-hmm. uh, and kind of communicating that throughout the sales process and then finally we talked about uh, we, we we talked about giving them value in every interaction so that it's worth that trade that, you know, giving them right. the, the trade of giving them your time for the value that you're providing. And, uh, that, and coming to a simple value plan with every, with everyone, if you're a rep, think about what is my value plan with this individual prospect or mm-hmm. customer? What am I, how am I getting them value? What is the next step to get them value if, if, if I'm in a sales cycle with them? And if you're a manager thinking about, you know that you should you should be able to ask your rep, hey, on deal X Y Z, what is the next step to what is the next thing they need to make a decision from us? I, I love that right. way of thinking about that. Yeah, what's the value we're going to deliver on the next call? Right. Excellent. Well, uh, Andy, it's been really great having you on the uh, on 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 this on this uh, this podcast and video today. Um, is there anything else that you feel like we should talk about? Uh, in, from from, from anything, if you have we a could, message, we could, we could talk forever. A message to the field salespeople of the world. What 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 does what does the famous Andy Paul have to tell them? <laughs> Stay curious. I mean, I think that that curiosity has propelled me in my own career. And you know, I was a history major in college that had no idea about sales, and I spent my entire career in before I started my own company uh, 17 years ago, but it was still a long, a long period of time selling, you know, very large, complex technical products. And yeah, I was out of my comfort zone at every step of the way. And so how did I, how did I adapt as, is I just had this compelling urge to keep on learning and to be curious about the people I was selling to and people as individuals and the problems they had and the comp- individuals as part of a corporation that I was selling to. It's just that, you know, curiosity. Read books. You know, I I largely driven by the podcast, but so I'm a little bit extreme. But you know, I, I figured, and I've discovered in the last uh, 18 months, I've read I don't know, 150 sales books. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but that's, you know, what, that's what I always say that I'm going to do, but I never actually do. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I read the get the books. My guests. Uh, they come on a show that they've written. I feel I owe them the courtesy of reading their books and also I'm be prepared to talk to them. And that's, you know, I think a hallmark on my show, but, mm-hmm. but even in the absence of that, I would still be reading a lot of books and, you know, it's, it's, I know a devalued thing these days to tell people that you're reading books, but there's still a lot of great books being written. And what I find is, is I'm just looking for one nugget in every book. You know, mm-hmm. if I get one one nugget and yeah, I've I've been selling for 40 years and I still every day learn something new about sales. Yeah. yeah. So it's because I just I yeah, I'm just curious because I know there's more to be learned and a more to 
you know, become involved in becoming a better version of myself that I can serve my customers better, my clients better. So yeah, be curious and uh, read, listen to podcasts, um, you know, listen to webinars, go to conferences, talk to your peers, you know, what they're doing, go to meetups. There's all these resources available these days that can help you keep learning. What a fantastic message. And, and we've, uh, we've definitely learned a lot at Badger from the things that you've said and, and things that you've written. So I, I really well, thank appreciate you. what you've done for us. Um, and Andy, what is, uh, what is, if people wanted to reach out to you or wanted to, to hear more about what the, the types of things that you talk about or the types of things that you say, where, where would they go to learn more? So there's several avenues. One is they can listen to my podcast as well, mm-hmm. uh, which you've been a guest on in the past. It's yeah. called Accelerate with Andy Paul and mm-hmm. you know, on, on iTunes. We currently are releasing three new episodes a week. Uh, wow. Yeah, well, we're, we're probably going to scale that back a little bit. But um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting people out there to speak with. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, if they want to contact me, I'm very old fashioned. You can follow me on social media, find me, uh, Twitter at real Andy Paul, but you know, pick up the phone, call me. You can call me at 619-980-4002 or send me an email at andy at zerotimeselling.com. Well, thanks a lot, Andy. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, Steve, thanks for having me. Great to talk with you as always, a fellow badger. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming, Andy. (laughs) Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye.